Hey everybody, welcome to another Commission Podcast, uh, Commission Bald Move Podcast. This time, we are covering one of our favorite movies, uh, or one of our favorite series. I don't know if this is your favorite movie, Aaron, um, but it is Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4. It's commissioned by Andrew Mount. Thank you very much, Andrew, for commissioning this one. We really appreciate it. This is one of those that we probably never would have gotten to just because everybody on the planet has talked about it, but we love this movie so much that we're happy when we saw the uh, commission come up, I think, or at least I was. No, I mean, this is ridiculous to get paid to watch Star Wars and talk about it. I mean, how many (laughs) hours would you estimate that we personally have spent talking about Star Wars? Just between us. It's too many to count. Really too many to count. I mean, hundreds. I mean, we that was one of the prime topics when we would go out in field service, because used to be Joe's Witness, if you didn't know. Uh, we would sit and annoy the older people with just talking about Star Wars, the latest books, um, yep. the video games, the re-releases, the prequels. My God, we actually had serious debates about, you know, <laughs> what would happen if Armageddon would come before the prequels were released. Sure. Yeah. Which which uh is interesting uh is an interesting type of eschatology, Star Wars based eschatology into the world mm-hmm. theories. Uh I I mean I used to be such a huge Star Wars fan. I literally have read all the books up through about uh, I gave up halfway through the New Jedi Order because I just didn't like the Yuzan Vong. Okay. Yeah. The Yuzan Vong or whatever their names are. But all the other stuff, even the like really shitty Barbara Hambly stuff. <laughs> what uh, was that? Like Tales of the Bounty Hunter or something? No, it was I, I forget, but it's always the felt like Star Trek ones. It's kinda like hmm. I wanna say the Courtship of Princess Leia was a terrible book, but I I don't remember it being terrible. I think it actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't remember. The only trilogies that I really remember in any capacity from the E. The Crystal are... Star, wasn't that one of them? Uh that was one. That's yeah. a Von the McIntyre though, I think. But those were all Something like Star like Trek novel authors who just yeah, wrote yeah. Star Trek for or Star Wars for pay, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember the Timothy Zahn trilogy. Sure, I remember the Kevin J. Anderson Jedi Academy trilogy. Sure. I think it was called. Which, my God, if you read that as an adult, is terrible. I thought it was great when I was a kid. I I have fond memories of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked it better than the Timothy Timothy Zahn stuff. So. Maybe that says something played, about me as a dumb kid. I've played three. I've I've played three different versions of the Star Wars role playing games. Okay, I mean, every, just about every Star Wars video game that came out before the prequels, I played. Yeah, uh, many many hours. That's the thing that before the prequels, I was also a massive Star Wars fan, and I still think I am a big Star Wars fan, but I'm not fanatical in the way it's, that it's in remission. Yeah, that I was before the preview or the prequels because the prequels really put. Uh, kind of cast a Paul over the entire series, I think. You know, it's interesting. I think the prequels killed my fandom, and not the first one, because you'll remember... <laughs> Which is by far the worst. That's debatable. Well, I don't, maybe not by far. The Clone Wars one is pretty shitty, too. Um, But I, I remember defending that. Like, mm-hmm. look, you can't... There's nothing in this movie that was super bullshit, which is not true. That was just me putting blinders on. But you can't really judge this. I mean, this could make all perfect sense when you see sure, movie two and three. It was a wait and, and see attitude, yeah. And I think my my fandom officially died some, somewhere in the weeks following the second prequel, Attack of the Clones. Oh, wow. Because it just sat in that, like... And I remember you guys were all just like, wow, that was a lot better than Phantom Menace. And I'm like, 
this there, there there's only one movie left. <laughs> this can't be salvaged. That whole first yeah. movie was See, a fucking waste of screen the time. The realization that you had, uh-huh. we were having in the first movie. Like you had it after Attack of the Clones because sure. you were trying to give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And we were just like, wow, that Jar Jar stuff was terrible. It you was. know, even though we were the fanboys that went and saw it seven times in the theaters, right. uh, you get a few weeks out from that and you go, oh, God, yeah. this is what Star Wars is now. But, I mean, honestly, the only reason to remake the prequels was to go further into the, you know, lives, live, life of Anakin Skywalker. No, further into the pockets of the fans. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. The <laughs> only legit art, artistic choice was to tell yeah, us more yeah. about that relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin and how things went wrong. Uh, and the the most important part of them becoming friends was just kind of yada yada. Like he went from little boy and annoyance to mm-hmm. kind of a gadfly apprentice to oh in an elevator ride in the first scene of re, uh, of re, re, was it re, yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. A bunch of talks about the clone wars and how you guys are buddy buddy. You're right. We didn't see them become friends, and that was kind of the, the crux of the relationship was the thing that was up in question, right? Uh, between Obi Wan and Anakin, right? You're right. That's the thing we wanted to see. That's one of the things we didn't get much of. We got a lot of pod races, man. Let me add. So, a lot of people say, and I'm not qualified to answer this particular question, mm-hmm. but a lot of people say, "Well, Star Wars was always a children's film." Your problem is you're taking a 25 to 35 year old's sensibility and you're applying it to a seven. If you saw this as a seven year old, mm-hmm. it might be you might prefer it to the old trilogy. And I wonder because right now the seven year olds who were in 1999 are in their mid 20s, mm-hmm. and I would love to start to see the blogs and people like I want to see the the prequel trilogy defenders, the ones that are like, yeah, these I'm new Disney up. movies are going to be bullshit. Yeah, like. I, I suspect that out. that's bullshit because I feel like the Star Star Wars was an all ages film. I feel like it was too because I know my dad loved it. My dad is sure forty years older than me. So. My dad loved. It. I I was too young to see the first one in the movies. Mm-hmm. I did. I was five, six years old when Empire came out, and I remember standing in line with my dad to see it at the local theater. And hilariously, I I had to go pee. Right in the middle of Darth and Luke's Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker's lightsaber battle. <laughs> oh no! Did you miss the eye of your father? We came back when he was, uh, you know, basically clinging to. He's got one hand chopped no, off. He's clinging to the weather vane. No, he'd already jumped and done that. And oh my, my god, he's hanging out. At so the missed the of whole Bestin. thing, and my dad's like tight lipped and just like. And it's <laughs> like the next day he left me at home and went to see the whole movie by himself. Oh my god! <laughs> but no, I'm I'm a long term Star Wars fan. I just. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably still lurking there, but Mm. um, I don't know. Yeah, I was definitely a kid when I saw them, too. I never saw them in the theaters. I wasn't old enough. Uh, When I was being born, the the last one was just being released. Right. Um, So I got into them through my dad, who did go see them when they were out in the theaters. Uh, And he was was a little bit older than I am now Mm -hmm. um, when he's seeing those things. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, if I had seen Star Wars... For the first time. The thing is, when Star Wars came out, there was nothing else like it. It's so hard to say, like, here's a film about space, uh, like a space opera sort right. of thing, and that's a unique idea. Like, getting that through my head yeah. is impossible because I've seen so many of those. Right. Now. Well, that's the thing. Like, I've I've tried to kind of revisit the trilogies with my son. Yeah, yeah. And he just sees it as another form of entertainment that is... 
you know, it's cool or is this or that, but you know, he's seen video games. That's the thing. Like we, entertainment has moved so far beyond. Can't keep them on the farm once they see uh, Aunt Beru's head collection. Uh, I mean, video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it's it's kind of it's it's interesting because he's really into things that I'm not. You know, that you know different things like his his kind of Star Wars is Mega Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's obsessed with the comics. He. Loves the video games. Um, mm-hmm. He just about lost his mind. We saw the new Super Smash Brothers had a Mega Man in there. Huh. Um, nice. But I'm curious to see what happens to the seven year olds in '99. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know where to begin on this because I've seen this movie at least a hundred times. <laughs> we I, watched, I don't know that I've seen it that many times, but it's up there. We we watched the uh, special editions. Mm-hmm. Uh, also known as the, the shitty theaters. ones. Yep. There's a lot of versions out there. You can see if you if if uh, you can pay for. I think the 2008 release came with DVDs that have the original copies. But I also heard they were like pan and scan versions. Oh, yeah, and just really shitty quality. So there are, if you go extra legal methods, uh, there's a uh, rip of the original. Laser discs. Mm-hmm. There's blends where they've taken the things that people kind of enjoy about the prequels, like. Or not the prequels, the special editions, like the space f- battles. Yeah, yeah. I am not one going to argue that the space battles of the of the special editions are not superior. I think they're better. Yeah. And but then they take all you know the Han shot first bullshit out and the <laughs> stepping can- on Java's tail, stepping on Java's tail, the Cantina remakes, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Can I tell you a story of why this these movies are so uh, important to me? Please do. It's the first time I remember ever getting honestly excited by movies. Um, when I was a kid, my you want to talk about shitty versions of this movie. Here's the version that I grew up watching. My uh, aunt and uncle had a massive VHS collection, and these weren't like VHS that you bought at the store. These were like we recorded this off TV VHS. That tapes. one time it was on ABC, uh-huh. <laughs> a Sunday night family movie. We we ra- we grabbed it. So they have this massive thing of movies just like shelf after shelf after shelf in their house all labeled in pencil or pen Uh, yep all labeled all with sleeves all they had it done up nice uh (laughs) and i i had i think just seen star wars recently um because because we moved back from california like i must have seen this when i was 10 or, or when i was like eight for the first time uh so you're too young for even jedi i had seen it yeah yeah i had seen it in uh, California before we came back and thought it was cool. And then we came back and I saw their collection. The first thing I looked for in there was Star Wars. And that to me identifies, I identify that as the moment where I realized, oh, I'm a Star Wars fan. Mm. You know, like I, I, I poured through their collection. I'm like, it's got to be in here. It's got to be in here. 500 tapes later, I find it, uh, you know, just looking through because I'm too dumb as a kid to realize, oh, alphabetical order means I should go to the S's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I picked out all these movies and I took them. I, I begged with them, uh, please let me borrow these. Let me take these home and watch them because they were very protective of their VHS collection as well. Sure. Uh, so I brought those home and I watched them over and over and over again. It was first time I remember myself being a fan of anything, uh, any media like that. Interesting. So let's talk, let's just have a discussion here. What... What's your favorite Star Wars? How do you rank them? Oh, man. Um, so I rank them from best to worst. Empire, New Hope, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. Wow, Attack of the Clones is worse than Phantom Menace. Why? 
because it, it could have been the savior, I guess, like like you're saying. Uh, but honestly, there's there's just so much bullshit in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, like that's the stuff with Padme that completely doesn't work, and the, uh, her chemistry so with awkward and stiff, and it just terrible dialogue left and right in that thing. Yeah, uh, like you said earlier, we don't see the parts of the story we really want to see. Uh, I don't know. I mean, aside from Jar Jar, I don't think Phantom Menace is that terrible i mean yeah there's some midichlorian bullshit and some dumb stuff but attack the clones man aside from the awesome battle scenes that go on too long that's the thing they're not even that awesome they're technically impressive they are not uh good from a storytelling standpoint sure and i don't even know i don't but everything else is terrible yeah it's like there's something that's fundamentally less real about Moss Eisley, for example, in the prequel trilogies and in the uh, remixed versions. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, you know, we were talking, we were watching this. Moss Eisley is not a bustling metropolis. Mm-hmm. It's a wretched scum or hive of scum and villainy. It is not uh, suburban sprawl. Yeah. It is not like Macy's during the Christmas shopping season. <laughs> There's just too much. Bull- there, there are two places. If you go to Tatooine. Yeah. And you're going to Mos Eisley, there are two places you, you want to be. Yeah. You want to either be in the dock with your ship, yeah. uh, just unloading, or you go straight to the cantina. There is no other place in Mos Eisley that you want to go. Right. And it, so why are so many people walking around? Why are they bringing these massive animals? What are those for? I mean, I, I get it that it's a spaceport and it's probably center of trade and everything, but is Tatooine a backwater shithole or is it not? <laughs> right. Like, it's supposed to be kind of like an old saloon town. Yeah. In the Wild West, but it comes off as, like I said, some kind of damn strip mall. Yeah, it works during much better. Black Friday. It works much better in the original version, where it's it's very sparsely populated. Why is Star Wars so good? That's by by the way, that's my ranking too. Except for I actually put Return of the Jedi above A New Hope. Really? Is it all just the Vader and Luke stuff? Yes, I because think... you hate the job, the Ewok stuff, don't you? Yes, especially when you think that. I mean, that was the first time I think Lucas really took a misstep because in the original scripts, I've heard uh, that the Ewoks were supposed to be a Wookiee, like, slave camp. Yeah, which makes a lot more sense when they're fighting these giant robots. Can you imagine, like, you know, (laughs) an army of Wookiees tearing stormtroopers' limbs off? That would be rad. Mm -hmm. But instead, we cut them in half, uh, reversed the name as, you know, again, typical too cute Lucas fashion, Uh. and got Ewoks. Uh, but I like I like Re- Return of the Jedi mostly because uh, all the Jabba sequence is gold. Yeah, every yeah. bit of Jabba the Hutt is, and the Sarlacc pit is awesome. And I really, really, really like this final uh, lightsaber duel between Vader and Luke. I think that pushes it over. Um, I think it's the best lightsaber battle in in the in the series, as far as I'm considered. We'll get to that later as well. Okay. Why do you think Star Wars, the, the old stuff, is so good, the, the original trilogy? Well, a couple of reasons. A, because the t- technically it was a very impressive movie yeah. at the time. I mean, everybody who saw that was like, I didn't even know that they could do this on a screen. Uh, I feel like I'm there. And, and, you know, I feel like the practical effects of that make it so much more real, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Yeah. Um, that's one reason. The other reason for me is it is – a fairly classic adventure story. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's in the same ilk as like Indiana Jones. Um, any of the the really solid just adventure movies that you've seen, it's a fun ride. And I, I think 
more so than Return of the Jedi. As as a kid and a teenager watching this, that's what I was looking for. This sure. fun ride, this thing that I I could put myself into and you know escape the everyday and be in a fantasy world. I feel like it delivered that better to me than uh, Return of the Jedi did. I mean, it's got everything. If you're a little kid, what do you want to do? You want to see exotic things. You want a sword fight. You want to shoot guns. You want to go fast in airplanes and spaceships and save princesses and uh, hang around in dangerous situations with like super adult trappings like the most icy cantina. Mm -hmm. It just hits all those marks. Yeah. And... It's really interesting because you, if you look at the making of the first Star Wars, how haphazard it was and how the like the London film crew just thought this was ridiculous schlock. Uh-huh. And like Lucas is just getting torn. The, the, you know, nobody believed in him. And uh, the actors all thought he was this little twerpy guy who didn't know how to direct anything. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing that it came together. But you had like the genesis of ILM. You had Ralph McQuarrie doing all this design work, mm-hmm. and I feel like he should get a lot of credit for this thing's success because when you're talking about the visual effects and the models and oh, stuff, that's yeah. stuff he all designed. Yeah. And then you had really talented model makers. Like, imagine someone gave you the task of building the Millennium Falcon, huh. and the legend has it that George Lucas basically bit a bite out of a Big Mac and said, I want it to look like this. You take that and you build this incredibly detailed model that's got Jesus. their 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 glue and battleship parts to it and mm-hmm. you know curling iron bits and all this weird stuff. Yeah. Uh everything was based in reality. Like, you know, Luke Skywalker's uh lightsabers famously a the a um handle for a flash for a particular old timey piece of camera equipment. Yeah, with a which, broomstick shoved in the end. Which 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 old time camera equipment people I guess hate Star Wars fans because they're making these parts impossible to find. Yeah, and they tear them up too. There's the a particular making the hilt. There's like a particular type of Volkswagen mm-hmm. um wiper blade refill that is the cooling fins on the stormtroopers assault rifles. Oh my god. I mean all this stuff is just shit they got out of a junkyard. Like think about the Jawa interior of their sand crawler. Oh yeah. That's yeah. just shit that they're buying at a junkyard and welding stuff together. Mm-hmm. And I just think whoever designed like C3PO and R2D2, Ralph McQuarrie, mm-hmm. is a goddamn genius. Yeah, All the it, stuff. It has a very rugged aesthetic to it. And that's what I like. Everything feels used. This doesn't feel like a universe. Like when you're fighting rebels uh, who, are, who are this force that is barely scraping by, uh, it's a ragtag group, you want everything to feel weathered and used. Sure. And that that sensibility really shows in this movie. Whereas it feels like in the prequels, none of that is the case. There is not a loose bolt anywhere. Yeah. And it makes it feel less authentic to me. Yeah. And because even in the, the, the most uh, obsessed cities with cleanliness, you walk down the street, you see busted up things. Right. I mean, everything is not made of marble and pristine and it just doesn't feel real. Yeah. Like these movies do. Um, But I just think of, when I think of like all the aliens, all the robots or droids, all the spaceships that had to be designed oh, yeah. and then built, and just like the custom variants, the costume of Darth Vader, the stormtroopers, Chewbacca's like, it, like, like yeah. the um, uh, what's the the uh, not the Tauntauns, but the Banthas? Mm. They're Asian elephants with a Muppet head stuck on them, and they look uh, the tits, man. They look yeah. the tits. They look like some crazy alien creature. They are utterly convincing in a way the CGI do backs like, you know, crocodile and up do not look convincing. Yeah. 
No, you just can't get. And I noticed like R two D two walking around or rolling around. Yeah, he doesn't roll around perfectly. He's not like he has loose joints and he has mm-hmm. in, in like wheels with a little bit of damage. So he kind of bobbles around when he rolls. That feels right. real. Whereas the prequels just take all that out. C-3PO's right lower leg is a different color than the rest of his body. <laughs> right? Because he apparently got some damage and got thrown back together because it's the Rebels, and he's got he's got a dent in his head. Yeah, and, and his ass. It, all he this a big dent on his hip. Exactly. And I just am amazed. The music. John... Uh, That's what does it. I, I feel like the mo- half of this movie is music, and half of this movie is ralph mccrory stuff <laughs> yeah i mean john williams and ralph mccrory uh i hope they were well taken care of by uh george lucas i mean obviously johnny williams is a successful musician in his own right yeah i and mean he, to this day the the star wars soundtrack is still unrivaled in my opinion the, if the score if i'm doing something i consider badass in my head mm-hmm. i'm probably humming some type of star wars soundtrack yeah like a lot of times asteroid music Okay. You know, yep. the brr, 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 that kind of stuff when Hans. Uh-huh. Um, just, it seems like that, like, top down, it didn't work because I've always heard that Lucas was an ineffectual director. His writing was shitty. He had these great ideas, but very little ability to communicate him. But mm-hmm. somehow he lucked into this cast with, like, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford accidentally you know one of the most charismatic successful leading men in hollywood history yeah and they just made it work sure i mean so much of this is sold on the performance of harrison ford and uh carrie fisher i think mark hamill does a hell of a job too right um but specifically harrison ford and carrie fisher just have this presence on screen that is undeniable and it's magnetic uh I mean, so many... I, I, and yeah. think about what Star Wars is So I feel like Star Wars, the original trilogy, is a very different beast be- than Star Wars, you know, the prequels, because what the story I built up in my head is that Lucas said, okay, with this New Hope thing, this is a one-off project. I'm going to make the movie I want to make. And mm-hmm. I may never get another movie gig in the rest of my life, but God damn it, I'm going to make this movie. So he makes the movie, and he puts in smugglers, and he puts in uh, violence, and he puts in killing, and all of these kind of adult themes, the the kind of things that he's probably thinking about as a 20-year-old or whatever he was at the time. And he says, okay, this is a cool movie, and everybody loves the movie. And then he goes into the prequels with a very different attitude, the attitude of this is my legacy, and I feel like there's a huge merchandising opportunity. Like, Like he saw, okay, I own the rights to this thing, even in, like, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, especially Return of the Jedi. Right. He's like, I see a big marketing and merchandising opportunity. I'm going to cater to that. And he made it more for kids. Mm. It feels to me like he made it more for kids on purpose because that first movie is not for kids, necessarily. Well, it's not only for kids. Exactly, yeah. It's actually got some things that are pretty scary for kids. Like, we talked about... It does, yeah. You know, you see Anne Owen... And that's why I say it's not really for kids. You, you, Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen's skeleton, burnt-out, charred skeletons laying outside their homes where the stormtroopers drug them out and incinerated them. Yeah. That's pretty horrific if you're a five-year-old watching Star Wars. Especially because it's real. Yeah. It looks real. Yeah. <laughs> like those skeletons, I mean, granted, they're not human skeletons, but they're laying there, right. burnt up with meat, grilled meat all yeah. over them. It's disgusting. I feel like the, the 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 childhood entertainment that really grabs you as a kid has that right mix of fun, uh, humor, and danger. 
yeah. like Goonies and Star Wars sure. and Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark is really awesome and cool. And then ghosts fly out of the, coven, the ark and melt Nazi faces off. And you're like, you know, my yeah. God, like everything's been pitched kind of slow ball until you get to that. And then it's like, God <laughs> damn, where is my parents lap so I can scramble up on it? Uh-huh. Um, and Whereas I, think, I just don't feel like Revenge of the Sith when Anakin falls in the lava has that same that's just, weight to it. And it's just you know? kind of gross. And they haven't established the relationships enough and all that stuff. Obi-Wan it's... Kenobi's a massive dick. Like, you know, I'm leaving you here at this pit of lava to burn to death slowly, Anakin. But you're the asshole. <laughs> Don't forget, you're the asshole, Anakin. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Uh, well, he did so, kill a bunch of kids. So while we're point. psychoanalyzing yeah, yeah. George Lucas, I want to put him on the couch for a minute. Okay. Here's what I've seen. I feel like George Lucas was a very gifted filmmaker. Mm. That seems to be that question. I mean, if you listen, if you listen to the Godfather director commentary or read yeah. any history about it, George Lucas did a lot to make the Godfather better in editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really has a flair for getting really interesting, cool visual storytelling on camera. And he made a really awesome movie, just like you said. But then I think he started reading his own press. And if you look at his interviews, he went from, well, you know, I was just making, I need to puff out my neck. I was making this, uh, you know, homage to the Buck Rogers and the old time serials and that stuff to, well, I intentionally, I intentionally employed the uh, archetypes of Carl Jung and, and uh, who's the, the heroes uh, Joseph journey. Campbell. Uh, jo- and I studied under Joseph Campbell, and I, I crafted the perfect Judeo-Christian yeah. uh, myth for our time. Reluctant like, hero and all that stuff, yeah. And I, I like, he started to believe that, but none of that was true. That was people analyzing his film 20 years after the fact, telling him. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like he lost the connection to why people loved his movie. Like he's insulated yeah. by you know these Lucasfilm higher ups and and the executive producers and he mm-hmm. doesn't really talk with fans and if he does talk with fans they're all starstruck and you, the the thing that's really heartbreaking about watching the prequel expanded um, material like the oh, makings yeah. of bonus features maybe. is how everyone seems kind of bummed like you know they're they're when they're screening stuff. And and also, like, the artists themselves, like, Lucas is coming through, and they've got all these different busts of alien heads that these people have worked on for weeks, you can tell. And he's just like, yes, no, yes, no, no. And not really, just kind of like, he had this, like, like GL, he just, like, scribbled GL on something if he liked it. And it just felt kind of soulless. Yeah, you can't be that far removed from it and still have any input into it, you know? Also, George Lucas, I do not believe that you had the prequel trilogy written... In any kind of treatsy form or or any or any anything way back from the beginning, <laughs> yeah. I don't believe you had Empire. I in might mind. believe. I don't believe you had, had Return of the Jedi. I don't believe any of that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I might b- believe that he had maybe a bigger universe in his head that he was thinking about, but yeah. as it as to any concrete stories, mm, yeah, that's skeptical. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Um. There are a lot of other things about the prequels. I don't want to talk too much about the prequels versus the original trilogy, because really we're here to talk about A New Hope. I think we're here to talk about Star Wars. Well, he commissioned A New Hope. (laughs) So there's a couple observations. Uh, Some of them are nitpicky, some of them are cool. But I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the things we love to do as kids is like, you know, talk about inconsistencies in the movie or poke fun at it and make our own little inside jokes. So 
Um, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about Jedi robes. So okay. this is going to be a tenuous prequel con- uh, uh, connection. Mm-hmm. Obi Wan Kenobi and Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen are dressed like desert nomads of Tatooine. That's that's a look that they all have. And if you go into my most Eisley, the bartender was wearing the same kind of tunic, and Luke's wearing like the junior wear version of that thing. And it makes yeah. sense because it, they're kind of kind of got this like semi Bedouin uh, gimmick. Mm-hmm. Why did George Lucas decide? To adopt that as a Jedi uniform. You're right. It's it's not Obi Wan Kenobi it's not the other way around, where that is the Jedi uniform and he used it. Is in hiding on Tatooine running around in a Jedi uniform. Did the Nazis you, you would want to you would want to do the exact opposite. Did the Nazis that made it to Argentina go around goose stepping in their SS uniforms? I don't I doubt it. <laughs> What do you mean I'm a Nazi? That's a horrible thing for you to say. Well, uh, there's a swastika on your arm, man. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, on both arms, and that's why I think so. Uh, yeah, so is it possible? I'm going to play devil's advocate because I totally agree with you. That's, that's okay. insane, and that's just a mistake on his part. Uh, is it possible that Obi-Wan knew that this is a planet full of people who dress like Jedis, and so he would blend in there? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, the Jedi uh, uniform designer... Mm-hmm. Was a fa- uh, with a, was a frustrated fashionista from Tatooine. Could be, Could and they be. were inspired by the local people. Yeah, went back to his roots for the Jedi collection. Um, something else I noticed in the garage scene where three PO gets pulled out of the oil, mm-hmm. his cockpiece is right behind <laughs> Luke's I head. It's cockpiece, cockpiece. Sure, yep. and he just is aggressively buffing it the entire scene. <laughs> Like he's got a right, he'd be wiping out his whole body. It's not a cod piece uh, has got to shine. That thing and the usefulness of a cod piece on a, a robot. robot is a little suspect. He's bearing his midriff. I mean, come on. Yep. Uh, we saw that he could go. We, he could run around without the plating. There, there's another questionable droid mm. or cre- questionable droid function in the Jawa uh, Sandcrawler. What is the vacuum tube for? The vacuum tube can clearly only be used <laughs> for, astromech. for astromech droids like R two, R five. Maybe you get, maybe you get one of those other couple of droids in there, but you're not getting C three PO in that thing. Yeah, you're, not, you're, you're not getting the thing with the arms coming off. The hell top. no, the little half dome with all uh-huh. the the Swiss Army knives coming out of it. It seems like a fairly useless piece of gear for the Jawas. When you consider that they have a ramp on the back that they all use to get into the ship, they do a lot of or, or on the side. They do a lot of work with astromechs, man. Astromechs are highly sought so. after in the desert. I, actually, if you think about it, well, they're, they're probably not sought after in the desert, but they are sought after in fighter planes, mm. uh, in fighter vehicles. What so you, maybe maybe there are a lot of them running around. So if you want to ponder another in-universe question, is it profit, Is there enough droids stumbling around the wastelands of Tatooine that Jawas can drive these massive crawlers around and be profitable hunting them? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what they do, right? I love the idea that that so many ships have broken down and crash landed and whatnot, that there's just these tribes of droids Mm -hmm. migrating through the desert. Yeah, no, that's interesting, Uh, especially when you consider the changes that he made in the remastered versions, special edition, to have a lot more hulking space junk uh, in Tatooine and Mos Eisley. Right. So maybe there is more of that lurking around than we think. You know what's super fun to do in the movies, especially after the prequels come out, is parse all the heap of lies that Obi Wan tells <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Mm. Like I don't think he says an honest word to this boy 
his his the, the entire living time he spent with him. Yeah. And even when he tells him to switch off the targeting computer, that seems suspect. Sure. To me. Even after his death, he's still lying to the kid. <laughs> the, the force is way better than that computer, which is designed specifically for that task, Luke. Right. Like, we have... Are you sure, Doug Kenobi? Because <laughs> I can see pretty... This thing's kind of awesome. Yeah, we, we... I don't know, like, 1990s United States cruise missile technology was <laughs> adequate to hit this exhaust port. Maybe stick with that instead of your mystical religious force, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, know. I, overall, uh, that that's cool. I... <laughs> I, I won't, like, I'm not a fan of fantasy shit, uh-huh. certainly, and magic is one of the least favorite things of mine. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I give The Force a pass. Maybe it's because it's I sci-fi. saw it when I was so young, but it's also mixed in with sci-fi. Uh, but it's not sci-fi, right? The Force right. is not sci-fi. And it felt like it, was, it Despite had... Despite the midichlorians, it is not sci-fi. It had very firm limits of what it could and could not do. Sure. It could, like, boost your innate abilities, but you couldn't, like fly through space yeah. you couldn't shoot heat vision at your eyes although you could we find out in the third one shoot inner you know lightning bolts at your fingers mm-hmm. um it didn't i don't you know it's not like uh jedi can be killed it's not like you know your problem with thor and the avengers where it's like this is a god he just got stabbed Who is cares? he in mortal danger does he need like a uh, a band-aid <laughs> What kind of going to grow back like Wolverine? Yeah, I I just don't know. Right. And like the Hulk just picked up a god by his ankles and thrashed him. Is that possible? Does that mean Hulk can beat Thor? What what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think a little of that goes out the window in the prequels because the midichlorian stuff there. Not just that. That's a bad explanation for the force. The Jedis are flying around like Peter Pan magic pixies. Oh, yeah. It kind of cheapens a lot of the stuff we see in. Uh, you know, and Lucas has always lampshaded that. It's like, well, we've only seen an old man and a crippled uh, cyborg and a, a young untrained boy. But I... Yeah, you're talking about the lightsaber battles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in New, A New Hope, um, Darth Vader's like 40. Probably. He's, he's, so he's kind of in the prime of his life. He's a half Close cyborg, which I guess impacts his force ability, but he's also one of the strongest force users in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. You're telling me he can't like do a spinning flip to get the drop on old Obi-Wan? Certainly he could beat Obi-Wan. 800-year-old Yoda can fly off walls <laughs> like a lethal pinball machine, but Obi-Wan can't do anything more than a single knee spin that he needed a stunt double for? I guess not. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The, the prequel fights are certainly flashier. Uh, but they serve less, less of a purpose, too, right? Sure. It felt like in the prequels, the fights became about the fights, whereas the fights were never about the fights in A New Hope, in, in the original trilogy. Rank the lightsaber battles of the movies, best or worst. Oh, Jesus. And not everyone. I don't, we don't need to talk about the can- cantina arm scene. <laughs> Although, I do want to talk about that scene, because that's awesome. Okay. We'll go into Obi-Wan as such a fucking badass okay. after this segment. Uh, Man, I really like the one... From Empire Strikes Back, uh, where good. he goes out the window, but Return of the Jedi's lightsaber in the dark with the the blades just whirling Vader around. Vader talking about your sister. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> as far as the emotion and Luke just rage as he's beat. I mean, that's the thing you realize it's his father, so you've got that whole. No, sorry, I'm talking about the one at the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, well, the one where fuck they put Han in the carbonite. Okay. Uh, that is visually the most yeah. interesting and striking. I love that. Because, my God, that set. Yeah. Uh, wow. 
Um, but I think Return of the Jedi is more powerful emotionally. Palpatine, he, back he's trying to protect his sister. And... He's being tested morally. It's his it father. Is, yeah. He has to murder him or his. That's fa- the thing, and the fight is not about the fight, right? The fight right. is about everything that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, he has to win this fight in order for his goal to succeed. He doesn't right. have to spin his lightsaber around fifteen times. Right, and the fact that it's not that's not a trick. Like the dark side's no joke. Yeah, like Luke beat kicked Vader's ass. Which he's never been, a- man- been able to manage before with the dark side. Yeah. And then he got the well, shit that, out of And what does that mean for Luke? Like, And then his old man having the last things. minute redemption and throwing the Emperor to his death? That shit's that's gold. Yeah. In Best lightsaber one, fight for me. This is probably the worst lightsaber fight in A New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's two old men and one old man and a robot going at it. Uh, I don't know. They're the not du- jumping the around. Du- the Dooku Yoda Obi Wan. It went on too long. It, it's stuff. I, I, to me, that's the worst one. It's just silly shit. You know, it's funny because I think it was there where everybody like stood up and cheered. Well, uh, no, it when, was when Yoda just went off. That was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool, but it it breaks so many things. That's a lot of things about the prequels. Like, there's a lot of individual cool moments, but they yeah. betray a lot of things that happen later. Um, mm. Let's talk about Obi-Wan being a ba- badass. Okay. My first inclination uh, that I got of Obi-Wan being a badass is when he walks into a cantina. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no. Before that, when he uh, mind controls the stormtroopers. Sure. And letting them through. I'm like, oh, oh, shit. He's got some powers. If you're Luke, you're, you're, you're like perking up and taking notice. Yeah. Like, what the hell did you just do there? Uh-huh. Um, but then when he walks into the ca- that cantina... And he goes to the bar. He's talking to Chewie while there's some horrible shit going on behind him and around him. Yeah. Uh, he spins around. He chops a man's arm off. Right. After he, first smoothly trying to be like, this, uh-huh. this little one's not worth your trouble. Let me buy you a drink. Yeah. Not his fault. Yeah. Not his fault. But, you know, when business needs to be done, sure. he'll do business. He's negotiating with a seven-foot-tall Wookiee, uh-huh. smoothly turns around to kind of, you know, smooth over this problem. Lots of smooths described with uh, Obi-Wan. Yep. He smoothly chops his arm off. Uh, and then he picks up a drink, he goes over to the corner, stays in the same bar where he has just murdered a man, Yeah, goes to the corner and has a conversation, negotiates with a smuggler over the price of passage to Alderaan. Right. Like, the fact that he doesn't leave that bar immediately after getting to that altercation just uh-huh. means he's he's a badass. Like, yeah. there's nobody in this bar who can do anything to me. Yes, so. let the stormtroopers go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's so cool. Um, did you know Alec Guinness in real life was kind of a dick about Star Wars? What do you mean? Like, he was shitty to the fans. And in his mind, they were a bunch of uncultured... Like, this man has uh, been in Lawrence of Arabia. You're He's in the fucking in... movie, though. Don't tell me I'm uncultured for liking a movie you're in. But he did this, like, as a... He, he thinks it's like a like a kid's movie he did for money and the tail end of his career, and everyone knows him for that, and I think it drove him crazy. Ah, uh, Yeah. So he didn't respect And he the said, movie it's and... like, I feel sad for people that are like, you know, he would he would describe us as sad. I've got a Lego Darth Vader here. You've got a three foot tall Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> I have a Darth Vader coffee mug. Mm-hmm. He would consider us sad individuals. You have Tauntauns roaming on the desk uh, over there. From, I do. Uh, he would consider us sad individuals. Are we sad? Have you ever considered the fact that you might be sad? <laughs> <laughs> you want to get well, existential on this podcast? When I do consider my the bone crushing depression he uh, I experience on a day by day basis, you know Alec Guinness was right. Sir Guinness might be in the right, but no, it's like I was feel like that's sad. You know, he feels like I feel like he was a sadder, more cranky old man than than I am a 
sad, pathetic, middle-aged man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know we're not supposed to talk about... Well, this is this is not prequels. This is the special edition. Okay. The Java scene. That fucking thing is not Jabba the Hutt. No. Did George Lucas not have a picture of Jabba the Hutt when he's asking people (laughs) to make a digital model of Jabba? Uh Uh-huh. They didn't get the color. They didn't get the texture. They didn't get his sheer girth. Yeah, it's sad. I feel like all of the practical effects work so much better than any of the special effects that he does, the visual digital effects. Like, he he steps on Jabba the Hutt's tail. And I understand yeah. the logistical reasons why, because when they originally shot that film of Jabba the Hutt, who was just a fat man, fat short man, just a dude, yeah, uh, Han did a walk around him, mm-hmm. and well, Jabba's got a tail. Uh, and I'm, why did he put that scene in? Because Han walking on Jabba's tail is the equivalent mm-hmm. of like Salazzo tweaking the Godfather's nose in The Godfather. <laughs> Like when the Godfather's like, thank you, but we can't do business. If he's like, whoop, 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 poink in the eye. Like, the uh-huh. fuck? When you're negotiating. You don't do that to the Godfather. Yeah, you don't want to step on their tail. He's got Boba Fett in the room. He's got all those bounty hunters. Yeah, this is not a moment to show how mu- how big your balls are. Like, recognize that you made Jabba into a much bigger deal in the third movie. Yeah. And you cannot go, you, you cannot have your hero just step on his tail like it's nothing. Yeah. Don't put that. This is a man who will kill someone or a, a beast who will kill someone for not impressing him with their dancing. Like if you want so... <laughs> if you want to include that as a deleted scene, because a lot of fans are clamoring over some of this deleted footage we've heard about yeah, yeah. for years and years. Fine. But don't make your movie shittier to put it in the main narrative. It just I I never made it never made sense why he did that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh I don't I don't like that very much. Han shot first. Oh uh, Jesus. We can, we can talk about that, but I mean that's just silly. That that's it that's looks, all over the kid stuff, it right? Looks like I can't like, have to- Han being a bad guy. And it was terribly executed. Why not? Han is a smuggler. Han's probably a fucking horrible guy to a lot of people. And this guy was threatening him with a gun. It's not like he just murdered a, yeah. a bus full of nuns. It's not like he spun around and chopped the guy's arm off in a bar fight. Yeah. Yeah. Han would never shoot a gun unless someone shot at him at point blank range. It's silly. Uh and that's it's unfortunate. Just so ham fistedly done as far as a technical angle, too. Yeah. Um, God uh, damn. There are a lot of things that I really love about this movie, and the reason why it's my second favorite uh, is it is just a solid adventure movie, right? Like, I I feel like I could be Luke. Like, it, it hits you at an age when you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm probably going to be that age someday. Yeah. Uh, I, I see where he's stuck with these two authority figures who won't let him do anything. I want to be Luke. Sure. I want to go out there and explore everything. Sure. And so Fuck you identify with fire. Luke, and he has a hell of an adventure. Yeah. Right? Ends up saving the day. And I feel like if you identify at all with Luke in this movie, you're going to love it. And before we move away from Tatooine, like, there's some scenes that just work on that particular level. Like, mm-hmm. Luke Luke going out at, at sunset, the twin sun settings, and he looks as John Williams' theme... Luke theme, Beautiful moment. Uh, yeah. or the Force theme, or whatever, because it wells up. I mean, that's just an awesome cinematic movie. Yeah. And Star Wars, yes, it is an adventure film in in the like Raiders of the Lost Ark vein, but it flirts and and Empire gets there. It flirts mm. with greatness. Yeah. Like that twin son scene is just awesome. Him finding Aunt Owen and Uncle Beru, or <laughs> wait, Man, the... reverse that. Uncle <laughs> Owen and Aunt Beru. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a blue milk super spilt everywhere scene. 
another really depressing scene is when they miss that first shot on the exhaust port on the oh, Death Star, yeah. and you see the reactions of everybody in command, and you're like, oh my god, we might not even get a second shot at this, and right. the thing's coming around the bend. Right. Somebody do something. Yeah. And then Luke, the guy who I identify with, comes rolling in to save the day. And and you get multiple people saving the day. You know, Han saves the day. His best friend dies in the assault. Yeah. Yeah. Which we didn't appreciate. That was it's one a bittersweet of the, moment at the end for him. One of the edits that probably hurt the most. There's a scene in the novelization of uh, uh, A New Hope, which, yeah. of course, I've read. With them on tattoo. Where Biggs is talking about, you know, he's back from the academy or whatever. And he's like, you should join yeah. up. And he's like, oh, you know, you... you your best friends when I'm stuck in this goddamn moisture farm business. <laughs> uh, it would be cool to establish them as a true friendship. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's not a bad part. And we got a little Biggs in the special edition. I like the the expanded Biggs. Uh-huh. The porn star stash Biggs. Sure. Uh, let's talk about a couple other things I noticed. Okay. Obi-Wan got his own smuggling compartment. He does. When they're getting yeah. tractor beamed into the Death Star, mm-hmm. uh, Obi-Wan gets his own <laughs> compartment. Luke... Han and a seven-foot-tall Wookiee are shoved in the other. <laughs> well, Chewbacca tried to get in, and he was like, this is not the compartment you're looking for. <laughs> Send him over the other one. That's right. Not, not seat taken. Sorry. <laughs> I, need, I need some... My robes need room to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got a lightsaber in here. What do you want? <laughs> uh, one thing that I've noticed for a long time and is gratified that they kept in the special editions, because I'm not sure, is in the scene where the stormtroopers are storming the room that 3PO and uh, R2-D2 have got themselves locked in the closet. Like the second Stormtrooper from the right, on the right column that's marching in, smacks his head mm-hmm. on the bulkhead coming in the door <laughs> and doesn't miss a beat. Like yeah. that is a VIP extra. He about got his head clean taken off and mm-hmm. kept marching, and that movie is in every version of Star Wars as far as I'm aware of. As far as I can tell, yeah. The, and if the you I've haven't seen, seen it, you got to watch it just for that, just just to see that that moment. Yeah, there are a lot of bloopers in there, um, stuff that they just kept in, and I wonder if that's an, uh, because they didn't have the budget to do a whole bunch of takes. Yeah, or if that's like a mis- mischievous editor going in and saying, "Oh, here's something nobody will ever notice," and sure. I think it's funny, so I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> uh, well, so, guess what I was wondering is like, you know, does that imply that it was a only take? Yeah, yeah. It might like there was just some second muted footage. We need stormtroopers coming in this room. Roll it. Okay, we got it. We're running behind. We're over budget. Let's go. It could also imply that that's the best take, uh-huh. which means maybe <laughs> like all of the stormtroopers hit their heads on the door as they came right. in. The previous take. the The door is the door is ludicrously <laughs> low. It's like six foot tall. It is. Yeah. So it's too short to be a stormtrooper. I think stormtroopers were genetically bred to be short, just to. Uh-huh navigate the hobbit-sized corridors of the yeah, Death Star. Yeah, Vader walking through that ship must be a nightmare. Yeah. Isn't it funny that the Death Star seems like a real set? It does. Although, if you really think about the scale of the Death Star, like, Darth Vader is just walking around on this, you know, Russian nesting doll shell of a star- space station the size of a moon. He's just mm-hmm. walking around. He's walking around, and no matter where he goes, he's exactly the space he wants to be. I need to go to Obi-Wan. I'm going to walk there. I need to talk to my elite Starfighter right? wing. I'm going to walk there. I got to take a So it's conference quite a coincidence. Call. It's it's pretty convenient that Obi-Wan landed very near where Vader was on yeah. the ship. And and that the the hangar for Vader uh is near where he killed Obi-Wan. Sure. Uh, yeah, all of that stuff. The tractor beams are close to the hangar bay. Those like, elevators are something else. They must, they must just be. be able to travel at like the speed of sound. 
and get you wherever you need to go. Yeah. Because uh, elsewise, the, the just walking around is not doing it. Also, the light kind of duty doors shut with alarming guillotine-like <laughs> speed and efficiency. And they do. The blast doors take their own sweet-ass time to shut. Yeah. The doors you really want to close quickly. Yeah. If you want to slam a bathroom door in someone's face, you got that shit covered. <laughs> and don't get your and you nose could probably in the doorway. Kill them with it. Yeah. You could probably kill them with it. You need to keep out hostile invaders uh, storming your battle station. Better have an hour's notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they need to get Tim Taylor in there and give that shit more power. For sure. Let's see. Um, we made a ton of e-cig jokes. Oh, yeah. Because we noticed that every single Imperial officer is has like an array, a vast array of high-end mm-hmm. vaporizing vaporizers on their sleeves and their, and their shirt pocket. Yeah. I just feel like the whole Death Star smells like blueberry peach. Because they're just vaping. It's just there's just fog in every uh, every corridor and every compartment. Hell, sure. Luke's got three. Luke, yeah, when he, on and, his and they're full of thirty six milligram. They're <laughs> those are high powered. That's e cigs. They man. have the equivalent of like a six pack of Marlboro Marlboro Red. Well, that's how Luke habit. gets from uh, farm boy to Return of the Jedi. Luke, <laughs> in that amount of time, he's just hard drinking, hard smoking, smuggling son of a bitch. Man. I never got because everyone's like. <laughs> You know, Mark Hamill had a car accident in between A New Hope and Return of the Jet or and yeah, Empire yeah. Strikes Back, and uh, you know, there's a lot of problems. Luke didn't look like Luke, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Luke looks like Luke. Do you think Mark Hamill's like, fuck you guys, I'm not a monster? They're yeah. like, oh, we need him to have his face get mauled by a wampa so people will buy it. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Can it also chew on him? Because it's not just not enough yet. He's like, 60, I don't buy it. He's like 65 years old now. He does not look like Luke now. Yeah, yeah. But so, so there's there's another point. The the new trilogy, the J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams trilogy. Yeah. It is involved. It, it supposedly is going to involve Han, Luke, and Leia, and they're recast everybody. Uh, Carrie Fisher is in her late sixties, right? Yeah, and she doesn't and look like Carrie Fisher. Anymore. She has been through a life. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hamill uh, is is. Looks like Luke Skywalker down 10 miles of dirt road. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford is an old man, too, but he's still fucking Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's still a movie star, right? <laughs> yeah, he's still a movie star. Do you? I'm kind of sad that we're... After they make this prequel... After they make this sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. I hope they go back and make some trilogies and they recast... Because I, I like the characters of Luke, Han, and Leia. And I they do don't too. need to do... The expanded universe shit. I don't need mm-hmm. to see the Timothy Zahn trilogy, although that would be awesome. I don't mm-hmm. need to see the Shadows of the Empire, whatever. I would just like to see those characters. And J.J. Abrams seems like he's the reboot king. Recast Han, Luke, and Leia as like younger, uh, successful movie stars or unknown stars or whatever, and, and remake a whole bunch of stuff within that universe. The post Return of the Jedi, Empire still strong, Republic mm-hmm. still struggling. There's so many Luke's stories to be told there. Yeah, Luke's the the uh, burge, burgeoning badass, rekindling the fire of the Jedi through the galaxy. Well, then you get into uh, CG actor territory, and we've seen how that's gone recently. Why do you say? I'm saying recast them, like Chris Pine so it just as totally James T. Kirk. Totally won't look like Mark Hamill. Do you but think they'll the Chris, call him Luke Skywalker? Do you think Chris Pine does not look like James Kirk? Sure, but you're. You're saying let's go directly after they're an adult actor. Like it's different when you say, okay, this guy is twenty plus years younger. Mm-hmm. You're saying let's go right after Return of the Jedi and go into some stories here. Yeah, 
And you just recast Luke. It would get be someone really that looks... weird having someone who doesn't look like Luke. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Chris Pine doesn't look like William Shatner, even mm-hmm. though they're the same age and all that. Yeah, but that's a reboot of the series, right? That's not like... That, that's like a remake but, of the series. Okay, does it bother you that James Bond doesn't look like the same man? No, but I don't know why. I'm saying that's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Turn Star Wars into James Bond, reboot that shit, and tell me the post-Empire stories. Like, I, that's the other thing. I'm mm. kind of excited about this, but it's going to be a bunch of characters I don't know and a setting I don't know. Um, I, I I feel like there's a lot of tread on the the Han, Luke, and Leia tires. Oh, yeah. See no, what right. Akbar's doing, that mm-hmm. big trap-smelling pussy. What the hell? <laughs> okay. Because uh, he won't go in and attack the Death Star himself? I mean... The funny thing about watching Return of the Jedi as an adult is the realization that from the moment they hyperspace to the Death Star 2, everything Akbar no says is we need to get the fuck out of here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our cruisers can't repel firepower. It's a trap. We've got to go. All crap. Prepare to retreat. Every word out of his fucking mouth. Did you come here to fight or not? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, man. I mean, the situation changed when he flew sure. in there. He's sure. like, oh, God, the shield's still up. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. Yeah. We're going to be fried calamari. Uh, I don't, I mean, yeah, but like, did you come, did you come to fight or not? If it wasn't for the A-wing <laughs> guy crashing his ride into the executor, or the executor, y'all would have died. And he's yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, you act depressed when it happened. Uh, maybe he's a double agent, Akbar. Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's a I know he trap. goes on to, to bigger and better things in the EU. So. He does. He's the grand fucking Alliance Admiral. Probably mm-hmm. not a real, real, uh, while we're talking about space battles. Next to Mon Mothma. Does he take her position? Mon Mothma dies in the EU. I know. When when she dies, does he I take over? Leia for her? Took, took over. I thought so too. Yeah, so he's not as high of a mucky yeah. muck as we thought. That's the one thing about that. Maybe the, in the military. As an wing. adult, the one thing that bothers me with the Star Wars nev- novels is no one ever dies. That was one of the shocking things about the New Jedi Order is that they killed Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. The main characters never die. Which Chewbacca gets it rough. Like the end of this movie, there's another funny thing to do as an adult. Uh, I have not read these books. I don't know no, what no, you're no I'm, about. I'm talking about the the. Well, Chewbacca just gets killed. New Jedi Order. The New Jedi Order. Chewbacca's dead. Uh, is that New Jedi? Is, or is that the the Yuzing Vong? I think that's a New Jedi Order series. Hmm. Yeah, he dies in the first one. Um, okay. Chewie at the end of this movie, you can kind of see him. He, he's they call him up on stage. He's brushed out his fur. Uh-huh. Luke's looking, looking right good. in his gold shirt. Uh, I, you know, Han's got his Kentucky Fried Space Cowboy collar on. He needs a bolo tie. And, you know, like Han gets the medal and Chewie's like, all right, that's 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 cool. You know, uh, Luke gets his medal and Chewie's like, all right, right on, right on. Here's my big moment. Stand uh-huh. tall. Stand tall. Thir- get out the third medal. P- pride of Kashiak. <laughs> and it's he doesn't get a medal. He doesn't. I swear to God, his growling at when he t- everyone turns around is him just being, this is bullshit. What kind of racist bullshit is You're this? You're going to stand here and let this happen. The only non-human. Um. I talked Han. I guilt-tripped Han's ass into coming back to save this fucking scrawny-ass farm boy. I brokered the deal in the first place. My Give me furry ass was just as much on the line as this guy. He gets a fucking medal and I get nothing? Yeah. That is horseshit. That's what, that's what he said. In if it wasn't for my life debt, I wouldn't even be in this room right now. <laughs> Our life debt is over. <laughs> you paid in full. I get a medal or the life debt is over. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh <laughs> It cracks uh, me up every because he's just sitting there. Aah! Yeah, um, this is also the one scene I think where Luke looks better than Han because, like you said, Han's got this weird collar thing going on. Looks yeah. like a fucking Western farmer. Han looks like he fits in a stormtrooper outfit. Han's not wearing a desert dress. 
Uh, he's not wearing a gaudy orange well, he flight suit. because he fully buttons up his shirt and his vest, and he's got to get loose with that. Just get all that shit. He needs like, to get his cool driving gloves on. Yeah, whereas Luke's got an awesome yellow, like, biker-looking jacket. Yeah. Uh, wearing some good pants, some boots. Outdoes him. Yeah. Leia's looking right, too, on. at the end of this movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, she's in her Carrie Fisher made robes. a man out of young Aaron. Like, she's... <laughs> She's Ooh. like the you know okay. it's the first time you realize that like oh my god girls are nice to look at oh okay um Leia. like you know I was yeah, like think. eight or nine mm. when Return of the Jedi came out and I just was not prepared to handle the bikini you're right you're right it's the bikini you just don't know what to do like there's like feelings you can't even describe <laughs> or put in the words there's feel surging through you like what's going on <laughs> my pants aren't fitting right is this the force <laughs> <laughs> I've heard so much about it. <laughs> Um, can we talk about Porkins? Yes, we can. The fat X-Wing pilot's canonical <laughs> name... Jack Porkins. 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 Assholes. Really, Lucas? Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> Poor Porkins. Uh, it's like, you know, they, I feel I feel like the other pilots, like, refuse to answer his calls unless he uses the, like, fat-ass five. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, you bastards. What was that? Um, what else? Yeah. I like that Darth Vader personally pilots a TIE fighter. Yes, Darth Vader's hit squad is Un- badass. Underrated moment of the movie. I mean, Vader could have just bugged off the Death Star when when Tarkin was unreasonably confident. Mm-hmm. Like, how many TIE fighters do you think the, the Death Star's got? Like, a thousand? Five thousand? Probably more, yeah. A hundred thousand? He can't scramble a couple wings, like a hundred of those, a thousand of those, to just utterly crush the rebels. Well, they they do a good job of stressing the point that they just don't think this is a threat yeah, at all, and he's just so prideful and so arrogant. Yeah, uh, an X wing or two is not going to take this thing down. How? How? But, Send a couple to take him out whenever. I don't care. And it's not just Vader has his own private Tie Fighter; he's mm. got his own Tie Fighter type, special that, design. Yeah, that looks like a beefier, cooler version of the others. He's obviously uh-huh. got. Like you pointed out, you know, those two pilots, he just didn't come up and grab two random TIE fighter pilots. Oh, no. Those are his honor guard TIE fighter pilots. They're the best yeah. of the best. He's probably handpicked these guys. He's 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 he doesn't even wear a damn suit. He's got his own, you know, samurai deal. He's got his his robe tucked in the back. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, got his gangster lean on. He's <laughs> he's fiddling with dials. He's like feathering the throttle. He's like really fucking driving that thing. Yeah. And no, he's just badass. he's slaughtering the other rebel pilots. It's awesome. Yeah. And that so that's one thing where I like what they did with the prequels. Yeah. As far as Anakin showing off his piloting skills mm. and his just physical prowess. Sure. Um, you believe that based on the prequels, he would actually be out there piloting his own shit. He enjoys it. Sure. He's not just good at it. He really loves it. Yeah, like, he could send a bunch of TIE fighters out uh-huh. there, but he wants to get, you know, it's like, how many times he's probably, how many times does he get to stretch his legs? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, he's he's all he's all sex nuts because he got to kill Obi-Wan. He's got a, he's <laughs> jacked with adrenaline. He's not done killing yet. He's got to nope. get out in that TIE fighter. He goes and, easy on Wedge, though. Real easy. Wedge goes, Wedge is a bit of a puss, right? <laughs> I think He's so. a bit of an Akbar. Uh-huh. Like, his TIE fighter, his, his X-Wing got a boo-boo. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he, you know, and, and we're 30 seconds from his entire political movement that he believes and he's willing to die for getting destroyed, being blasted to atoms. Mm-hmm. And he gets a boo-boo and he has to pull out. He can't, like, sm- stick with it, maybe be a human shield for the last hope of 
the rebels or ram darth <laughs> vader's craft uh-huh. with his own like he's just going to like sorry can't do more or, goodbye yeah bug out and then come in behind like the millennium falcon does later on yeah like try some of that yeah no wedge is wedge is uh, much like boba fett it's a fair weather pilot his his legend has grown in the eu and it doesn't i don't know that the on-screen stuff mm. warrants it i mean yeah all he's done in the trilogy is run away from the death star Say, whoa, that got him, and that's it. Did he do even anything in Return of the Jedi? I don't think so. Lock S-foils in attack pattern, he might have said that. <laughs> Those are his contributions, and that's his reputation for badass elite pilot. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I do have to say, a lot of this stuff, while we're talking about the battles, uh, a lot of this stuff still holds up. I mean, the space battles, yeah, they've been updated, but I think even the originals held up yeah. so well. Like, there's there's so much of the original stuff that's in there that just still looks good. The hollow chess. You uh, can't hollow improve chess the hollow good. chess. Uh, the, what you pointed out while we were watching is the animations in the uh, battle, like the schematics of yes. the Death Star. I was expecting that to look totally pong. Yeah. And it does. But it looks like schematics for yeah, like- a a big machine. That's the shit that they like. If they're doing a heist in Ocean's Eleven, they go yeah. wireframe and break it down and zoom in and go. And they did all that stuff. And luckily, uh-huh. they chose to render it that way because it looks awesome. Yeah, and I think that's about the only way they could render it at that time. Yeah, but yeah, it still holds up. Uh, that and I even think the look of the command centers holds up. Mm-hmm. Like you got all these boards where they're drawing the plexiglass with these, and yeah, the, these dry erase markers and the stuff. Light, the, the, the light markers, the like lightsaber <laughs> versions of dry erase marker, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I thought that was cool. I could definitely see them still using that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A, a lot of this movie holds up surprisingly well 40 mm-hmm. years plus, you know? And I think by the time you get to Empire, it's just rock solid. In fact, when hmm. the... I find yeah. that the the special editions are much more troubling in Empire and uh, Return of the Jedi. Because Empire and, oh, Return, God, Return and Jedi, Jedi just doesn't need it. Yeah. Yeah, like the Sly Snoodles band or um, <laughs> that whole cantina dance uh-huh. and Boba Fett macking on whores. And it just, it's just, it's not necessary. It, it detracts from the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, what else? Oh, There's so many things that I won't talk about because everyone's talked about them. Like, you know, what a great villain Darth Vader is. Sure. And we're not going to go real in-depth on... John Williams' score, even though it's phenomenal. Right. Everybody on the planet has talked about those. Uh, here's something that not everybody on the planet has talked about. Okay. Luke gets back to Yavin 4, mm-hmm. the Rebels' secret base. He's climbing down the stairs from his X-Wing. Princess Leia runs up to him and exclaims, Luke! And he says... I, yeah! A lot of people say he actually broke character and accidentally exclaimed, Carrie... I thought so too. And it made it made the movie. When mm-hmm. we watched it, we I, I I said I want to kind of settle this. I used to be strongly on the Carrie version. Me too. That was when I was watching on VHS. Um, I I feel like this version, uh, when you hear it on the the THX remastered shit, that he said it just kind of is like yeah or yeah he's a, it's it's basically um uh, who's that Howard Dean is a Howard Dean scream. <laughs> oh yeah yeah, uh, that. A, I don't know a generic if squeal of excitement. If that was changed in the special edition or not, could be potentially. Because uh, I always thought it said Carrie too, but it definitely doesn't sound like it when I rewatch it. Uh, let's talk about the relationship between Astromex and X Wings. 
Because well, I'm kind of curious what the function of an astromech droid in an X-Wing is. And that's one of the things, uh, you know, talking about prequels, Ma- Ralph McQuarrie versus not Ralph McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. Um, astromechs do not fit in a Naboo fighter. Yeah. If you take the silhouette of an astromech and you lay it over the Naboo fighter, that little scoop, their body will not fit in there. Uh-huh. And it's, it's horse shit. And if you built a real-life model, I feel like you'd figure that out right away. The original stuff... I. So at first I'm like, well, that's cool. You got an astromech that plugs in and he apparently helps calculate hyperspace drives, but he's also like a little engineer. Yeah. He can get out and crawl on your ship and repair stuff and like boost your deflector shields and uh, lock down your stabilizers and whatever you need to do. But then yeah, you had my, a different... My big question is, so if the only thing on an X-Wing that can calculate a hyperspace jump... Yeah. is an astromech droid. Then, so so you're putting the hyperspace drives into all of these X-Wings? Yes. That was one of the big... I mean, this is all EU, like, role-playing guide and, and start, you know, the, the TIE Fighter and X-Wing technical manuals. But apparently that was kind of a big philosophical difference between the Empire and the Rebels. The Rebels wanted to build very tough, survivable, um, flexible... Uh, Starships, sure, or fight, fighter fighters just fall apart. So they had um, hyperspace drives to let them do like deep strike attacks, and they had shields so they're more survivable. Where okay. the Empire wanted fast, maneuverable, heavy hitters. So the Tie Fighters famously don't have shields, but big um, weapons. and no and no hyperspace drive. Mm-hmm. Although Darth Vader's apparently was outfitted with one, or he'd be in for a hell of a long flight. So do you have to have an astromech in order to pilot an X wing? Because it seems weird that you wouldn't allow the astromech to do all of the computing. Why make the redundant systems that the AI on the astromech would have? Like, if you didn't have an astromech droid, if it was that integral, then you couldn't even fly the ship. Yeah. I feel like I there's a... Again, it's an expanded universe answer, but I feel like the answer knocking around my head is that you can fly an X-Wing, but, like, an astromech droid is considered a combat multiplier. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you might be twice as good as a pilot with an astromech helping you out and tweaking your ship as you need it and doing repairs and stuff. Whereas, you know, if you're just, mm. if you're just like moving an X Wing from one base to another and just flying, you know, or training and stuff like that, you don't need one. The okay. Z95 but Headhunters have the... to be cheaper. Yeah. The X Wing. So you would think they would have at least one astromech for every X Wing. Yeah. And they're modular. So why they even make them fly at all without an astromech? Yeah. And then... I, I don't know. We're getting really deep into yeah. the economies of sure. Star Wars. but And you're buying an astromech to work on a moisture farm? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you buy a translation droid, I, I mean, guess. I wouldn't it... want a droid with the rolls. On, in a desert. A desert? That seems like a bad choice. Mm. I don't know. That's true. Uh, what else we got to talk about? Why don't any droids hover? Land speeders hover. Why well, can't droids hover? R2 does hover in the oh, prequel Jesus. trilogy. Uh-huh. I think that's a really... Actually, the prequel trilogy, that's a really cool idea, because I fully buy an Atromech droid could do that. Okay. And and that's how I used to play with my R2 action figures. <laughs> I'd use those things as, like, you know, use, like, a little thruster thing, Shh, you know? Uh-huh. So I, I like that. Right. The action figures are really cool growing mm-hmm. up because the like the R two units 
came with like a little third foot that would fit up into the socket. They were hollow on the inside. So you could do them in the stand-up configuration, or you could slide that wow. wheel in and do the little wheeled configuration. Hmm. Cool. And there was like a version of C-3PO that like came apart, so you could load uh, him up in a net and have him... Put him in your backpack. Have him Chewbacca. Yeah, and Chewbacca had a little backpack that would hold him all. <laughs> awesome. So many cool. Those Kenner toys are so cool. We yeah. actually talked at length on the Lunch with Jim and Aaron mm-hmm. about it this week. Uh, what else, man? I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to talk too much about the stuff that everyone's talked about. Um, How... We did a lot of nitpicking, but I feel like... like came I from said, love. Yeah, it does. I, I All of the things that I love about this movie are very visceral. Um, very much like I'm engrossed in the story, sure. and I want to be there, and this feels like a real interesting world. Uh, that kind of stuff, which is harder to talk about than to you know laugh about some some problems yeah laugh and, about some nitpicks yeah and you know you can get uh, if you want to get to like real in-depth stuff you can listen to the dvd commentary or read all the different books that's been read about this is our personal experience with the movie um shit i had a really good point i want to make oh like i haven't even said like i feel like the biggest flaw in this movie is the death that that the star destroyer didn't shoot down or interdict with the many, many, many wings of TIE fighters they have, the uh, the life support pod, the escape pod. Oh, right at the very beginning? Right at the very beginning. It's like, there's no life signs. Eh, let it go. Whatever. I'm sure Darth Vader won't choke me to death for this decision. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's a little choke-happy this month. It is also kind of... The other thing is, like, when you go back and consider the prequel trilogy and how powerful and right-hand Mandy uh, Vader was to the Emperor from the get-go... Yeah, it's awful interesting that these moths around the Death Star table are just so flip with him. Yeah, like, do you yeah. not know who the hell Darth Vader is? By Return of the Jedi, he's got guys eating out of his palm. Like he goes on, he goes on the Death Star, and Grand Moths are shitting their pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't believe that that is the first time he has ever choked someone in front of them. <laughs> no, but they it should know like better. It, it they seemed, should know. When, when I first saw it, I used to think, well, well, maybe he's kind of like he's risen through the ranks or he's been yeah. a much bigger secret. Or, But the prequels make it pretty clear that, no, nah, everybody. Also, it's kind of weird that less than 20 years after Revenge of the Sith, no one knows what the fuck a Jedi is. Like, Han is openly skeptical of their abilities. <laughs> Yes, you're right. He is openly skeptical. A man who lived through the era of the Jedi. Uh, he was 10 years old. Like, I think I he's supposed like, to be 30 in A New Hope. He was like 10 years yeah. old during the reign of the Jedi. Yeah, so he would have been fascinated with the Jedi. There are these badass people out there who can do these cool They're things. They're real-life superheroes, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I, I think there might be an excuse like, oh, well, the, look at them now. They're gone. What happened to them if they were so powerful? That's true. Maybe he's a doubter on that level where it's like... Pfft, Jedi, yeah. Welcome to 20 years ago. Uh, I got a blaster now. I'm just saying the hokey religion is an ancient weaponry loses a little bit zing when yeah. you realize that these were the state police 20 years ago of the Old Republic. Uh, and, and and like a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's probably some kind of Stalinist 1984 campaign from the Emperor who maybe even used the force to wipe people's minds to get rid of that. Uh, but... That doesn't make sense yeah, on I mean, Tatooine because that's a border. Like the Empire has the very, very yeah. thinnest of influence on that system. It's so far out. It's on the yeah. outer rim. Yeah, that's the thing. That part of the story, like the, the, it's a shame that the prequels did so much damage to 
the original trilogy. Yeah. They're... On that level, because that, that storyline crumbles if you say, okay, the prequels are canon. Yeah. The, the idea that the Jedi were systematically hunted and eradicated over a long period of time, which is what I thought happened before I saw the prequels. Right. Uh, I thought it was it was years and years and years, maybe hundreds of years, yeah. hunting these Jedis and killing them all. Ancient weapons and hokey rituals and all that stuff make sense in that context. It does. You're right. It doesn't make sense in the context where 20 years ago these guys were everywhere. And Obi Wan, as a 67 year old man, if he was a you know a Jedi in his prime in his late 20s, early 30s, if 40 years have gone past, you start thinking that maybe, maybe people will I, forget. But yeah, yeah, it's it's that. But when I mean, you the make term it explicit, ancient, yeah, about their weapons, I get. Yeah, their swords, effectively. Sure, but uh, it's it seems like that whole mythos just crumbles under the weight of the the prequels. Right. Uh, what else can we talk about? Um, why don't they remake an X-Wing or TIE Fighter video game? Why is the space sim... And don't get me started on EVE, because it's not the same thing. No, no, no. Why is that effectively dead? X-Wing and TIE Fighter dead, yeah. were fucking rad. That's, that's why they don't make them, because it's effectively dead. As to why it's effectively dead, I don't know. It's because, because you need fancy... I would play one. I mean, I played a couple flight sims with even a, uh, a gamepad, and it's a hell of a lot better experience than, like, two-button Gravis, I'll tell you that much. Uh-huh. So it's like, I feel like we need, maybe when Disney, now that Disney's got the license, we'll have a new X-Wing or TIE Fighter. Maybe. I feel like they're, like, Disney is probably a company that goes the other way with pod yeah. racing and Clone Wars games and... But that know. stuff was so primitive. Like Tie Fighter was like shaded polygons, no yeah. even textures. The do you know how incredible an X Wing or Tie Fighter would be if they made one now? Yeah, yeah, it'd be fantastic. I would go buy a flight stick for that. Do they still make <laughs> flight sticks? I don't know. Does Cytex still exist? Are they a thing anymore? <laughs> uh, what was the uh, was it Thrustmaster? Thrustmaster, yeah. Where they had the dedicated throttle uh-huh. and the F-16 hit. Yeah, Cytex got those. Cytex is like modular, and they look all uh, like future robot yeah. kind of stuff. No, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They look like carbon fiber, and they're all angular. And yeah. They look like something Will Smith would use to drive the, uh, <laughs> the ID-4 <laughs> fighter. Uh-huh. Um, People would probably be angry if I didn't bring up Rogue Squadron as a good... Albeit arcadey, arcadey, yeah. Uh, you're right. It's not a flight sim. It's no. not a flight sim. It's arcadey, but it is a fun uh, space shooter. It was cool. It, though. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, the Star Wars arcade game is really good. Oh yeah, sure. Um, there's one of uh, one of those at Kings Island. Oh, nice. there's a, they got to remember the '80s like store, and where you can go buy like Thundercat shirts and shit, and they got the Star Wars uh, the trilogy arcade in there. One of my girlfriend's favorite slot machines to play is the Star Wars one. Oh, I bet that's fun. At Harrah's. <laughs> They're really cool Star Wars pinball machines back in the day, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing, why haven't they ever been able to nail a Star Wars MMO? Like, I guess there's definitely fans mm. of the uh, Old Republic one that's out now. Mm-hmm. But why can't you have, like, a fusion, a crazy fusion of, like, privateer and elite or yeah, what is that new one? Uh, Galactic Citizen? I, you're right. I just Starship space, Citizen, uh, Star Citizen, Star yeah. Citizen, and like a first-person shooter with like some of the uh, Dark Forces. What was that Jedi Knight mechanics where you could like do lightsaber combat, credible lightsaber combat? Yeah, 
those are fun games too. Like, why can't those they just cool. meld that shit together? Make Force it into... Unleashed had some cool stuff too. Yes, make it a uh, persistent world and, and and rake in billions of dollars. I don't know. I mean, I definitely feel like that would be an ambitious game, like a big game, but not at the level where they couldn't do it. Do you think the world just it's becomes fundamentally silly when everyone's a bounty hunter or a Jedi or a smuggler, like literally everyone you meet? Probably. Probably. So you'd have to also have like this giant Like MMO may not work. Like if, yeah. if they were to do a single player where I am essentially Han, where I play Han's storyline but not Han. Yeah. Where I play my own smuggler starting from nothing. Uh-huh. There are gambling mechanics where right. you go sit in uh, cantinas and play Sabic and uh, you get a droid that you can upgrade and a ship that you can upgrade and you can buy better ships and... You go on missions for smuggling shit, and you get in dogfights. That would be amazing. And maybe maybe amazing. there's some co-op multiplayer, so you can have some friends that do the belly and top guns or... Yeah. Hey, know. kid, get in there. Don't get cocky, kid. <laughs> That's right. There's still two more out there. That's right. That would be cool. That would be real cool. Like, maybe you play... Maybe it could be like a friends list thing where you just let them jump in to yeah. a game while you're in a dogfight. Yeah. You can jump in and help you out. Yeah, or you could do like you can even run sessions where like this is the space worm session. They could have a mini game where you're scraping Minox off the yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you accidentally hug each other and then you you embrace and exchange a passionate kiss. <laughs> um, don't yeah. get excited, princess. Uh, so we, I think it's about time to wrap this thing up. Uh huh. I'm pretty much tapped out. Yeah, uh, for for all the nitpicking we've done and the fun we've had, uh, definitely my favorite trilogy of all time. Uh, Nothing comes even close, uh, except maybe Indiana Jones, which is another George Lucas joint. Uh, Those are are all really good as well. I don't know. Temple of Doom sucked. I don't like Temple of Doom. Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Don't like it. The other two, man. The other other two are, are 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 amazing. Yeah, and we're not gonna we're gonna pretend like Indiana Jones four never happened. Sure. Yeah, when I'm talking about trilogies, I'm talking about as they were kind of the span that they were originally being made in. Not yeah, I mean, like I'm not gonna say The Godfather is not a better movie, but the like trilogy. The, yeah. the the and and yeah, when you, we talk about trilogy terms, and also when you talk about just my personal connection to the movie. Yeah. You know, if I was 30 years old when The Godfather came out, or <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's so rare. Because I have fond movies of like the Transformer, fond memories of the Transformer TV series and the GI Joe TV series, and mm-hmm. like Kevin J. Anderson Star Wars novels. You go back and visit them as an adult, and they're shit. It's so rare to have something that you love so much as a child hold up to adult scrutiny. Yeah, and even kind of get deeper. And yes, you, you can you can pick the flaws and nits too, but that's that's fun as well. Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think Star Wars is that for me. Um... There are flaws, but overall the story is so compelling, the characters are so compelling, the world itself is so compelling Mm -hmm. that I overlook a lot of that stuff uh, and just enjoy it for what it is. Is that it? I think so. Okay. Well, we want to uh, thank Andrew Mount once again for commissioning this thing. Yes, thank you, you Andrew. This has been been awesome. It's been a great Friday. Yep. Yeah. Uh, It's always great when we sit down and talk about stuff that we love. Uh-huh. In the middle of Walking Dead season. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks a lot for that. Trolling the Walking Dead fans. <laughs> Got to. Uh, if you want to commission a podcast of your own, where can they go, Aaron? 
Uh, Subbable.com slash bald move. It's the uh, brass ring position. But there's lots of other th- cool things you can do, too. You can have me draw a picture. Uh, you can uh, talk to us on telephone. You can have us do a bunch of different uh, – you can dedicate a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got a huge back catalog. Favorite uh, ball, Breaking Bad episode. Dedicate it to a loved one. Yeah. Cool Christmas present. Or a nightmarish one because they're like, Jim who? Aaron who? <laughs> and then, you know, you can have, everyone can have a good laugh over to Eggnog and Under the Mistletoe. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Thanks, uh, Andrew. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.